Ooh, happy Halloween! Really? So hey everybody, this is episode number 14 of the Baby Mamas podcast, which is what, Jackie? It's about us <laughs> trying to get pregnant as lesbians. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say lesbians, as two women. Sticking sperm in my vagina, cervix, uterus, and trying to get pregnant. So last time we left you, we had done our third IUI. Our ovulation was later than we expected it to be, but we ended up going in. We got the results from the blood test, which I will play right now. Okay, we are cooking dinner right now. Sausage. Listen to that. And my test results are in my blood test, but we are 99.999% sure I'm not pregnant because I've been spotting. And so it's been a bit of an emotional couple of days, not in the best mood, kind of frustrated. So we're just going to look at the results and then we're going to move on and eat our dinner and drink cider, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for cider. Mm-hmm. And it's one. What does that mean? Nothing? Less than five is non-pregnant, but it's not zero. It's That's weird. zero. Yeah. Anyway, like we thought, non-pregnant. Non-pregnant. $5,000 later, non-fucking-pregnant. Here's to monitored cycles. It's our next step, right? Better fucking work. So we're waiting to get put through to our clinic because we got a confusing test. <laughs> our HCG level was 1. And apparently you can't have it in your system unless there's been some sort of egg activity, some sort of fertilization or implantation or something so we've called the clinic about a hundred times this morning trying to get through to talk to somebody it's excruciating how do you feel cautious are you optimistic our friend katie called and was like oh my god you could be pregnant you could have implanted late and that's why the levels are low but it could still be there and i don't want to be excited but Hi, so I'm going to have a nurse come and pick up the phone eventually. They're just finishing something, but rather than you calling back and you guys playing phone tags, I'm just going to keep it on hold, okay? Okay, thank you. You're awesome. Sorry about the delay, but <laughs> it's okay. that we had to yeah. do, like, emergencies today. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's okay. Just hold on for one moment, okay? Okay. Thanks. I think the subtext of that is, we're just going to keep you on the phone because we're tired of you calling us over and over again, but you know what? I don't care. Even if you've experienced difficulty in achieving pregnancy, don't jump to any conclusions. Huh. Without a comprehensive evaluation of your personal <laughs> situation, it's just guesswork. I mean, the other reason that makes us think that maybe it's not nothing is that Ange had a little bit of bleeding, but then nothing. So her period hasn't come, and it's been a couple days now. 
just want to move on. I need closure. I need to know something one way or another. Oh my god, this is excruciating. Is that Angela? Yes. Hi, it's Deborah, one of the nurses. Sorry Hi. To keep you waiting. That's okay. Hey, okay. Um, so, um, unfortunately, Angela, the result is negative. Okay. For your um, blood test uh, yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Um, I did notice, just because I was looking it up myself, that it looks like the HCG is 1. Is there a reason why that would change, like, from being 0 uh, normally? If it's less than 5, it's, it's negative. Okay. It's kind of confusing. I, I, I understand, but we're looking for a result of a minimum of 50, typically, for today. So the 1, just it just still means that it's a negative. Okay. So, uh, that was weird. The one thing that was quite different was that I had an HCG level of 1. And we've heard from multiple people that the only reason to have H- HCG in your system is pregnancy or I'm, a tumor, which we are 100% sure it's Ange not does a not tumor. Have. Yeah. I've heard, okay, from my, my searchings on the internet, I found that some people say HCG occurs normally in women and can be from one to five. And like who, are micro the, who are these people? Units. This is just shit I've read on the internet. So okay. Well, our nurse. our friend and nurse said that you can't have anything any HCG in your system unless you have pregnancy and our friend She said it, she's pretty sure. Okay, and then our friend the doula said the same thing. So these people who have I, I feel like they're better sources than the internet. Yeah. So we kind of well, I kind of just brushed it off and was like whatever, that's weird. And then the clinic called us and we're like, oh, uh, we want to chat about your blood test results. Please call us back. And normally what they do is they leave us a message saying, hey, sorry, uh, your results are negative. If you have any questions, you can give us a call. And they're just, they leave that message on our voicemail. But yeah. this time they didn't do that. So I was like, what? Because you can check your results online. So we obviously do that every time. And the last two times it has been zero. So that's pretty clear. Zero HCG equals zero baby. Done. But one was like, okay well and they want to talk to us they're not leaving us a voicemail with the results so then we played phone tag with the clinic all day which was so annoying so why is it one when before it's been zero and she said "Mm, yeah so it is negative i'm like but why and she said it's negative i'm like so okay so cool you're not going to explain it to me yeah she didn't have any reason she was just like that just sometimes happens yeah which is not satisfying my question at all I'm like I'm you're supposed to be a medical professional and you're supposed to understand what's happening in this arena and if I have a question I'd like it answered it really bothers me that it's not getting answered and then beyond that they tell us oh so you know you can't actually do anything else you know you were only authorized by the doctor to do three months of IUI so we're like okay well what's the next step well you have to meet with the doctor before you continue on okay when's the next appointment oh it's like three weeks from now I'm like great so you want us to miss the next month I was so upset with that because it's like okay so you already knew this whole time I didn't realize we were only allowed to do three months I thought it was like okay so we'll go for three months and then we'll check in why didn't they just give us an appointment right away and say okay so we know that after three months you're not going to be able to do anything else until we let, until you meet with a doctor, knowing how hard it is to get in with him. But going back to the one HCG thing, oh. <laughs> you kind of went on a little rant. It's okay. I it, think that they're really hesitant to talk about chemical pregnancies and that sort of thing because 
I don't know, I feel like they're worried about women getting hysterical and things running away from them and getting too worked up about stuff so they wouldn't even entertain talking about it. And it's also like, what yeah, are they going to say? But that's bullshit. I need to know what's going on. You need to know what's going on. And we needed to know because your period was completely different. You thought there was something wrong with you because you had so much pain and it felt different well, and it, it went on my, for longer. My periods are usually pretty painful. This was like a different kind of pain. It wasn't actually... It was less painful than my periods usually are, but it felt different in that it felt like my vagina had just seized up entirely. Mm -hmm. Not my vagina, my like uterus. The whole thing was just like one big muscle spasm Mm -hmm. that would not go away. And I was taking ibuprofen and it was different from cramping, which is kind of like a sharp pain that's like completely disabling. Like I was still able to go throughout my day, but it was just like this this just the best way I can explain it is it felt like my my whole uterus had seized Mm -hmm. and so that was weird and then my period is still kind of going on but it's just like these little spurts of spotting kind of spotting but it's like bright bright red blood spotting and usually when you get to the end of your period you know what every single time I talk about gross stuff like this I always think about Matt (laughs) <laughs> how I know he's listening. <laughs> Whatever. So. Deal with it, Matt. You have too many sisters to not be okay with this stuff. <laughs> so normally it gets like kind of brownie and it just like. Yeah, because it's like the away. last bits of blood left yeah, but in this your is uterus. Like it'll be like one big like spoosh of like bright red blood. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, what the hell? It's day six. It needs to stop. Mm-hmm. It's also quite clotty and um, I don't know. It was just, it was different. So. And we have know. someone with some medical you know knowledge some knowledge about this kind of stuff saying like that sounds like a chemical pregnancy and a chemical pregnancy is basically when the egg is fertilized and either it's not viable or it just doesn't implant for whatever reason Mm -hmm. so your body's like it's kind of like being a little bit pregnant yeah and then your body just flushes it away and you just have a heavier period than you usually would and like saying that to somebody is not going to make them i don't know maybe that would make some people freak out but i'd rather know than not know because Knowing that makes me feel better about what was happening in your body. And also, if you've had a chemical pregnancy, often you're more fertile afterwards, which makes me even more frustrated about the fact that we have to wait now. Because we still don't get to see the doctor until the 13th. Yeah, but I don't think that I'll have ovulated by then. I know, but that doesn't necessarily mean they'll get us in. They're really weird about it. We also have to figure out how to pay for more sperm, and we're like rationalizing that we should order two vials at once because you have to pay a hundred dollar handling fee each time and the shipping is really expensive so it makes more sense to buy two at once but then it's like oh that's so much money it's like it's going to be over probably around two thousand dollars that we have to just come up with and pay off over the next couple months what's the alternative exactly to continue our lives of making soup and crocheting (laughs) (laughs) so i'm not pregnant fuckers how did we handle it I mean, I was pretty, there was one day that I was pretty upset mm-hmm. when I was just thinking, why would it happen? I don't think pretty upset is the right word. It was more like you crying and telling me that I'm, the, that you're the reason that nothing good happens to us because you have terrible luck and nothing ever goes well for you and that you, th- that you feel like I should be with somebody else because then I would have better luck and my life would be better. That's probably true though. No. <laughs> no, and you don't think that my life brings in a significant Oh, it definitely does, stress? but I don't think it has anything to do with this. It's not your life, it's your mom, right? I mean, that's sort of the big stressor is your mom. She has nothing to do with your uterus, right? Yeah, genetics. Stress, anxiety. 
well i mean but yeah i guess so but i mean you saying something like that is like okay you want me to leave you and go find (laughs) someone else so that i can be happy and you can be miserable so if you're interested in jackie um i'm not i'm not interested i have a wife who i love no matter how neurotic and insane she is I'm in this, babe. Even though I'm not wearing my wedding ring today, I'm totally in this. Yeah, all these women are checking Jackie out because they're like, ooh, there's no ring on that finger. I forgot it. It's so weird. I've never done that before. So what we're going to push for next month, I think, is monitored cycles. I don't think we have to push for it. I think that's the next logical step. It's about an extra $400 a month. So that takes us from around 1400 to around 1800 a month. Woo! <laughs> yay! And then if we're ordering two vials of sperm... Uh, that's closer to twenty three hundred. No, because the the cost monthly is still averaged out monthly. Okay, <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> I don't. It's know. okay. You don't understand money or numbers. No, that's fine. That's that's my job. It's not like I feel hopeless, but I'm not hopeful. I'm like somewhere in between. I'm a little bit more hopeful. despondent. <laughs> no, I'm a little bit more hopeful. Like I feel, I'm not convinced entirely that I did have a chemical pregnancy. Okay, but I think but, if I did, that's But if you good. did, that means we have the timing okay. And that means that things are working, right? That means that we're, there's like yeah. some indication that we're going in the right direction. The thing that really bugs me is when people say, oh, you're closer, you're closer, you're getting closer. I'm like, no, every month we're not pregnant doesn't get us closer to being pregnant. It's yeah, just more time that's thing, gone by. That's the weird thing about statistics. I was having this conversation with one, one of my friends too, and she was saying, on average, it takes uh, healthy, fertile lesbians six IUIs to get pregnant. And I'm like, okay, the timing changes every single time. So mm-hmm. there is no average. Mm-hmm. There isn't something where every single lesbian who's going in is going in at this exact same time mm-hmm. in their cycle, mm-hmm. at the exact same time of their... Um, fertile phase we change by an hour or two or whatever happens and that completely changes Mm -hmm. the timing for us and we could easily miss the egg being completely fertile and being you know watching our my cycle really closely so I don't feel like the statistics of one in six even can be something that you can put on to you can't generalize it it. no No. and that's the frustrating thing is that people tell you stuff like that and you're like okay that's not helpful because my question was okay so is that only the people that it took six IUIs to do or did they just measure six IUIs for a bunch of lesbians and like okay a group of lesbians what does that mean is there like a common denominator among a group of lesbians in terms of fertility like no it just it's a weird statistic in and of itself and then beyond that people are like well it took so-and-so this long it took so i hate the anecdotes because i'm like that okay cool great what the fuck does that mean to me absolutely nothing if so-and-so took three tries cool good for so-and-so i mean i feel a lot better going forward hopefully getting to do monitored cycles because at least that way it's like okay look there's the follicle there it is it's time now we can tell it's about to release or we can make it release or whatever right it, there's like more evidence to support our timing and throwing all our money at this yeah the same friend sent me a bunch of articles about was uh the dangers of doing super ovulation if you're under 35 apparently you can like release 30 eggs and you're chances of having multiples are like 30 percent and that it's not advisable to do it because you are fertile so why are you trying to like pop out a whole bunch of eggs and just give it time and i feel like people do that because it's expensive 
Well, exactly. That's what I was saying. It's like, which okay, if, that's fine. Yeah. I could do IUI up the fucking wazoo until I turn blue in the face and sell every belonging and still not get pregnant. I would mm-hmm. rather step it up a notch mm-hmm. and try. And this actually came up in one of the fertility groups that I'm in. This woman sent a message to everybody out of nowhere. I've never seen her post anything, just posted this message. And she says, Folks, I have a worry. I see that so many people are using assisted repro technologies to get pregnant. As LGBT folks, especially those with only eggs available within their relationships, using same fertility clinic protocols that hetero couple uses does not make any sense. You have not spent years trying to mix sperm and egg to no avail. Fertility clinics need to see the difference and approach it accordingly. I see that many are on Clomid. She spent she spelled Clomid wrong, which scares me. Anyway. <laughs> I see that many are on Clomid, which should only be used if the lack of conception is connected to a lack of ovulation. It is an early step, often too early, in hetero protocols, but if you are an, a potential egg-producing parent going on Clomid to increase ovulation when you are already ovulating increases your likelihood of twins and higher order multiples, which seems fun, but is a higher risk pregnancy. I also worry that with fast jumps to Clomid and IVF, etc., the LGBT community of parents are feeling like their bodies are failing them and that they need intervention and that paying for that intervention is the only way to get pregnant. There's a lot you can do yourself, even when using a donor, known or unknown, which puts both of you in control of the process and saves you money. I say this as both a trying-to-conceive queer woman as well as a midwife who meets pregnant people often who feel like gynecologists got them pregnant and that they are in some way defective. Please know that no matter what, no matter how you get pregnant, it's you. You are awesome and strong. This industry needs to serve you, not just bill you. Love to you all and best wishes in your parenthood. You want to know how I feel about that? I want to know how you feel about that. That's a fucking stupid thing to say. <laughs> like, no, it it's not geared. The, the fertility industry is not geared towards us. That's true. They should probably be, they're they're pretty sensitive about it in terms of like not making you feel weird. But I think there's a lot more that could be done that isn't done. I think that because yes, there's no, I don't feel like we're broken. I don't feel like there's anything wrong with us. Um, I just feel like we can't do this without, I mean, we could, I mean, theoretically, yes, we could, we tried doing it ourselves, getting a friend and having sperm and inseminating you ourselves. And that was fine. We could try that forever, but it was really hard for us to find somebody to give us sperm. And then for us, it didn't feel worth it to be spending as much as you have to on sperm and be doing it ourselves. Because what if we're way off? Yeah. And I wrote back to her and basically said, you know, that's nice to say and everything, but it is costing us so much money that we have to escalate faster because mm-hmm. we have a short period of time mm-hmm. where we have money and we have our fertile time. Like, we're not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. So, I'm s- like, why are you shaming us for going on Clomid and trying to get pregnant? You're a fucking midwife. Like, shut your mouth. Well, and then people posted on this group and said, this one woman said that she had tried multiple unmedicated IUIs and then medicated IUIs and then... She tried super ovulation and eventually went to IVF. And she said, if I had to do it again, I would have absolutely escalated to medical intervention earlier because it would have saved me money in the long run. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, and we it's, are kind of defective in that we don't have sperm. We're not defective. It's just a completely different, you can't compare it. And she's trying, she's doing the exact same thing. She's trying to compare us. I'm like, yes, I get the, I get the idea that we're not, there's nothing wrong with us physically, but 
we can't do it without sperm. Not everyone can just get a friend to donate and do it at home all the time. And usually, or as far as I know, for based based on my exposure to people like us trying to get pregnant, most of us are older. We don't have the luxury of, of years and years of trying. And honestly, I'm not going to spend almost $1,000 a month on sperm to be inseminating it myself. <laughs> that is just not smart to me. I would like to have some recourse. I would like to have somebody who knows what the hell they're doing put it in past the cervix so at least we know it's there yeah you know the timing yes that's on us that bothers me but that's on us fine that's on a, on that's on the individual for no matter if it's you're a straight or gay couple it doesn't matter you still have to figure out the timing but she's trying to make it seem like there shouldn't be a medical intervention because we're all fertile and that we're just getting convinced into these medical interventions when it's like no one's going into this without looking into it i can fucking guarantee that every single couple queer couple out there that's trying to conceive Mm -hmm. right now has done their fucking research and every single one of us has tried to figure out how to do it without spending an arm and a leg and and then she comes on this group and is like just so you know guys you're all fine everything's (laughs) perfect you're all wonderful just keep trying without intervention and it's like fuck you bitch where yeah. do you come from? It's another instance of somebody thinking they're being super helpful. It's like you could address that in a different way without sounding so condescending. Why are you guys letting the big pharma control your bodies? That's not it. Yeah. And like for us, the reason you're on Clomid is because your cycle is really variable. Yeah. So we would have less chances to try in a year because my cycle on its own is like 42 days long. Yeah. So for us, that made more sense because we don't want to wait as we want to do this as quickly as possible, like pretty much every couple. And yeah, I wanted to pop out maybe some better eggs or some, you know, sometimes you can release more than one on Clomid. More chances. I'm sorry if that makes me a bad person. Don't be sorry. That doesn't. There's nothing to be sorry about. No, I know, but I mean, this according is to this our woman. decision that we have researched and we have decided, or you've d- researched and I've confirmed, mm-hmm. that this is what's right for us. To so have somebody else say, this isn't what you need. It, I mean, I don't think it would be a bad thing if there was a clinic that was geared towards queer couples, because I feel like it would be really great if there was a center that offered like all the kinds of treatments you could get in one place, like acupuncture and massage and... I'd like more hand-holding. I really would. I'd like someone to tell me more about this because, as you've said, you have to do all the research on your own. Yeah. And it's it's there's so much information, it's hard to figure out what's the most legitimate, what's the, you know, biased stuff, and what's the stuff. Like, it's just, it's it can be really confusing. So yeah. I don't think that would be a bad thing. I think it would be really great to have someone start a clinic and be like, this is for queer couples. And then, But then, see, it's funny because... I, as much as I hate the anecdotes, apparently they help in my decision making. I mean, we were referred to, p- to our clinic by our ROB. She said that was the clinic that w- that she would recommend. Cool. Fine. I have no problem with that. And then some people will say, like, when I complain about the clinic, oh, you should try the other one. You should try all of them. I'm like, well, okay. But I also have heard a, a story of a couple that used them and they were basically wasting their money for almost a year because they didn't realize that the woman who was trying to conceive had a twisted cervix. So they spent 12 months worth of money for nothing. I, I mean, I'm pretty... sperm, like, come back out. Basically, yeah. without anybody noticing. And that really makes me feel like I don't want to go there. Yeah. I feel like we're just fucking complaining all the time. 
Yeah. I really feel worn down by this. I, I really didn't. I thought like, hey, we're we're our relationship's great. We're solid. We're doing so well. We communicate well. Like, but this is like unending stress. It's like constant pressure, timing pressure, financial pressure, emotional pressure. I don't know. I feel really tired of the whole process. I really kind of am starting to hate it. And I don't know if that's going to I don't know if that's like normal or if that's how other people feel or if that's just inevitable or if I'm just a negative horrible person <laughs> I I just don't know what to do I don't know what to do to make myself feel less shitty about it yeah neither do I I mean I'm just thinking about like the podcast like people just like well I've listened to them bitch now for 14 episodes yeah sorry guys Well, but that's, I mean, this is, I don't know how many times I need to say it, but this is like, it's the reality. And the reality for us, like, I didn't realize it was going to get this hard. I knew it would be a challenge. I really didn't, I don't think I actually believed that it would take us this long. And it just bums me out. Yeah. Well, next month, maybe November is always meant to be our month. So the budget stuff has been really challenging. Um, It's almost Halloween it's tomorrow and Ange was is gonna go over to our friend's house and she's excited and she was like oh, maybe I'll just buy some cheap beer and I was like yeah no <laughs> she's like really I'm like no like we can't afford any extra dollars can't we can't spend money on anything we just can't we can't go out we can't go out for one drink we can't go out for food we can't get sushi takeout like and we can't it, yeah. do anything it's we, really hard to like just say no all the time having to say no and then your friends are saying well i'll buy you a drink and no. you don't want to be that charity case where every time you go out someone's buying it for you and then people might start to think that you're just saying that because you want you a want free them drink. to and yeah it, my office often goes out for lunch or for ice cream or for coffee and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i'm constantly having to be like i can't go and then generally someone offers to buy something for me and i just it makes me feel awkward and bad because i'm like i don't want you to buy anything for me like I have my lunch. Me and Jackie are not eating out until we get pregnant. Mm -hmm. I know that going out for coffee is great for everyone, but I can't spend that five bucks. Yeah. And it's hard to, it sucks saying that. Like one of my friends came in from out of town and he was here. I don't know if it was last minute or what, but he was like, hey, you want to go for a drink later? And I was like, I didn't even want, I didn't even want to say I can't afford it. I just said, oh, I'm really tired and I'm in the middle of making soup, which was true. I was making like three soups at once, but still like, because that's what I do now. Cause I have no life. <laughs> I, I knit and I crochet and I read books and I make soup. It just sucks. It sucks having to say no to your friends all the time. And I feel like people are giving up on me because they're like, oh, she says no all the time. And it's like, I can't say yes. I can't justify $8 for a drink. I just can't. Yeah. You know, I can't, it's not worth it right now. And like, I have so much gray hair right now. I can't get my hair done. I am not getting my hair done until we're pregnant. So like everything on our life. My wife suddenly went from being 32 to 60. (gasps) Just kidding. I love you. How very dare you. Just kidding. Seriously though, every single thing in our life is on hold. Like I'm like, okay. Christmas is coming up. I don't think we can afford to get stuff for all the kids in our lives, let alone like siblings, parents. Like, no. They're getting soup or something knitted. <laughs> and I can only use this, the yarn I already have. So hope everybody likes pink. Yeah. You know what's not helpful? What? 
when people say hurry up and get pregnant oh my dad loves to say that to you hurry up and get pregnant already every time he says it i just nothing else i can do i just want to be like shut up (laughs) you have why don't you get pregnant dad see how hard it is like it's just it's hard and then today we're at my grandma's house where we had a lovely lunch of homemade soup and she taught us to crochet um, anyway, she was telling me that when she was trying to conceive, it took her five and a half years and she cried herself to sleep every night. And I asked her, was there anybody to talk to? And she said, no. Because you don't talk about that stuff back then. Yeah. In the 50s. And I thought, oh, my God, that would be so much harder. Like, how do you you couldn't even talk to your friends about it? Yeah. And she said it didn't happen until they went to Seattle. <laughs> so <laughs> let's go to Seattle. Go to Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a sign. We need to switch sperm banks and go to the Seattle sperm bank. And well, then we wouldn't have to deal with all this Zytec business. Yeah, Zytec. Apparently, it's back in the news now. That couple whose son or whose donor turned out to be schizophrenic uh, turned out to have schizophrenia. Don't identify the person with their disease. That's really inappropriate. Sorry, that's okay. Everybody does it. The donor has schizophrenia and. The only reason these... I didn't realize this at first. The only reason these people know this is because the clinic fucked up, sent them an email with the donor's name in it. Now, that is a big enough mistake. But if you're the person who got the sperm, it is not appropriate to go and look him up. That's what they did. They looked him up on Facebook. And they found out that he had schizophrenia. That's their fault. They violated the, the agreement where they had anonymity. You can't do that. And then turn around and say and get pissed off because of what you found. You didn't have any right to that information. And it's one thing if the clinic was like, they knew that and they were withholding it from you. But this, we had this whole conversation about like mental health and it's really hard to screen for mental health. And I think even putting that kind of information in a, in a donor file, mental health, like a history of mental health in a family does not mean anything. You need some certain mental health disorders. Like I have a, I have a degree in psychology. I worked in mental health. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. A lot of disorders. You need a genetic predisposition, yes. But you also need the environmental stressor. Yeah. So if you don't, if just knowing that somebody has a history of schizophrenia in their family does not mean they're going to get it. And if you are going to try and make decisions based on things like that, maybe you shouldn't be a parent. Because there are no guarantees with children no matter how they're conceived. Any kid can become massively depressed. They can be suicidal. They can have schizophrenia. They can have bipolar. They can have borderline personality disorder. And you can't protect against that. So if you can't accept that risk, then you need to maybe not do this. Or maybe adopt a kid where you know all of the stuff already. You know, I don't know. I just, it really it bothers me on like a very fundamental level. Well, they put it through as a wrongful birth suit which meant that if they had known this, they would not have had their child. Yeah. Which is out there for everyone to read. I know I said this last time we talked about this, but... It's on record. Imagine being that kid. If I had known that this came out, I would not have had you. Like, what? And when that kid finds out, hopefully not when they're a teenager and they're already predisposed to be depressed, what the fuck is that going to do to do a kid? Oh, cool. You wish you hadn't had me because you think I'm going to be defective if I develop schizophrenia, which doesn't come about until you're 20 something in most cases. Yeah. Like it's, there's it's just it's so wrong. It's so wrong to me. Yeah. The clinic really messed up. They should not have released that 
that donor's name. He was protected. He should have been protected. I wonder if people are going into getting donor sperm a little bit more naively than we are, because when I read this article, there was a whole bunch of Facebook messages of people saying, well, I, you know, I didn't realize that it was that the donor had to tell the clinic all about their family history and it's like where else do you think they're getting this information it's not like, like they're 20 they're, they're 20 something college boys they're not going like hey go talk to my parents and go talk to my grandma and go and talk to my aunt and uncle blood and look into their like, they don't have access to their medical records yeah obviously like there's going to be stuff that you're not going to know about and that's the risk and it sucks mm-hmm. being vulnerable like this mm-hmm. and having that risk but what's the alternative never having a child or adopting. Oh, well, the alternative is what people at work keep saying to me. Ugh, you should just like get your wife to like sleep around. No. Seriously? <laughs> Seriously. There's pr- uh, there's people at work that have said this to me multiple times and I'm like, yeah, so that wouldn't really work for us and it like it makes me angry. Number 1, we're not oh, like I d- it's so hard for me to vocalize how annoying and how that like undermines my entire relationship. What you're saying is, well, what you're doing isn't working, so just go do it the right way. You just, the thing that you're missing is the penis. Yeah. The penis will solve all your problems. If you actually stick a penis in there and have it deliver the sperm, then the problem will be solved. And don't even worry about the fact that you will have no parental rights if that's what your wife does. I will have no parental rights. And then we're also, how immoral and unethical is it to entrap somebody into being a parent? I don't want some random guy to be our sperm donor. Like, no. I mean, that sounds weird because obviously we're picking some random guy, but he's a careful, <laughs> carefully chosen random guy who's consented to this. Yes. Consent is important no matter who is doing the fucking. You know what I mean? You, like, it's so it's so wrong to say that and it makes me angry and I just want to be like, fuck you. That's not helpful. I'm not going to pimp my wife out so that we can get pregnant because it's not right. And she actually referenced, oh, you know, like on the L word. I was like, yeah. And did that work for them? No, it didn't. (laughs) Because people don't want you to just use them to get pregnant because that's weird. Yeah. And I don't want some random dude sticking his like herpes filled penis in my Yeah, You don't have a medical history from them. You don't know if they have any communicable diseases. I don't know if they have you know, whatever. Or if he's going to turn around and be like, that's my kid and sue me and sue us for custody. Like, it's so ridiculous. It's such a ridiculous thing to say to a person. And it makes me so mad. So if you ever think that that's a good thing to say to a couple who's trying to conceive, don't. People don't really think, think things through. Yeah. I think when they say stuff like that. No, no. Yeah. There's so many issues with that. But I mean, the Zytec thing, it doesn't really make me that worried about the clinic. No. Because I still think that they did everything that they possibly could. If they were hiding it, like if they knew, oh, this person has schizophrenia, let's not tell people and still mm-hmm. put his sperm out there, then yes. Yeah, that's wrong. That's completely unethical. But, but do I they, don't think that was the case. But no. that's what it seems like this couple is making it. They're trying to, to make it seem like that. But I feel like they're in the wrong. I feel like the clinic should sue them or the donor should sue them and say, you had no right to look me up. You shouldn't have had that information. And yeah, the clinic fucked up by giving it to you, but you had no right. Also, they're touting, they're also putting out there, he's a college dropout and he was arrested for stealing or something like that. So what? So many amazing people in my life are college dropouts. Like some people drop out of college and then they go back and they're perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Some people and and there's no and guarantees either. Like you can have somebody donate; they'll be in their first year of college, totally gung ho, have eight million plans for their life, and then life changes. Things happen, you know. Just because you've 
read this profile and you think he's going to be this person, he's going to change. He's going to do things. He's a young boy, practically. Most of them, yeah. So, yeah, they're going to become different. Maybe they'll go down a different path in the in Maybe the end. they'll die. It doesn't matter because he's not the parent. You're the parent. Yep. So why don't you just take responsibility for the choices that you've made in choosing an option where you don't have all the answers and you don't have a guarantee and just raise the kid the best you can. That's your job as a donor parent. Raise your kid the best you can. The end. Yeah. And deal with things as they come up. You know, if your kid does start having mental health issues. Be fucking thankful that you actually got pregnant. Yeah. Because some of us are still struggling. (laughs) So we've had uh, a lot of adventures in babysitting recently um and she takes care of one of our friend's daughters once a week i was talking to her and i was asking her what's your mommy's favorite color and her mom is like my best friend we've been friends since i was 11 uh and she goes pink i was like why why is mommy's favorite color pink her, goes, her mom's favorite color is totally not pink no she's <laughs> definitely not a pink person <laughs> no um anyway i'm like why is mommy's favorite color pink and she goes because it's beautiful yeah. And then after my friend got home and we were chatting for a bit about not being pregnant and blah, blah, blah. And I was complaining and being hopeless. And then later that the next day, this bottle of wine gets delivered to our house. And I was so confused. And I was like, where did this come from? Did Jackie order this? Why would she deliver it? Like, why wouldn't she just pick it up her own, on her su- on her own? Like, Plus, that's not in the budget. And it's not in the budget. This is so weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I found that there was a card and it said, and it was like a bottle of rosé. And the card said, pink because it's beautiful. Hang in there, guys. And it was from my friend. It was so sweet. Which was so sweet. It's awesome having somebody really kind of empathize and get it. Because I think she, she doesn't say stupid things to us. She gives us, you know some anecdotal stuff and some it's she's trying to give us some perspective which is really helpful so that day Ange was homesick she was having like just horrible horrible pain couldn't sleep the entire night really so then by the time it came time to go to work she was like i can't like i can't go to work and yeah, i was, ta- was like up just not able to sleep it was yeah. horrible so i i was taking care of her that day not Ange, the two-year-old and uh <laughs> this was my first experience in i mean she's like very impressively quite well potty trained at this point and so she had to poop so she told me no i don't want you to come in i'm gonna do it by myself i was like okay how about if i just put you on the toilet and then i'll leave you alone and then you can call me in when you're ready yeah okay so i put her on the toilet and then she just shut the door and i was like okay so you want me to stay she was like yeah and then she proceeded (laughs) i can't even tell this story (laughs) she proceeded to like full eye contact like intensely stare into my eyes while pooing and i was like oh my god what's happening in my head i was like i can't look away because she's looking at me so intensely i feel like i'm supposed to be meeting her gaze i guess but it was so awkward and it's happened like twice now and i'm just like okay why do you need to do this like is it comforting somehow you would have like if you looked away you would have ruined it i don't well i don't know when a kid's like i always feel sort of tentative about it because we have this game that we play to get her to go pee because you know you say to a kid do you want do you have to go pee they always say no and then they pee pee themselves i don't know if that happens with her because i've never seen her wet herself but it's always that sort of tentative thing where you're like oh i don't want to spook her you know (laughs) yeah so i was like i really honestly thought like I don't want her to feel weird or ashamed about this because this is great. It's great that she's pooing on the toilet. That's amazing at two. 
but I don't want to look at you square in the eyes and intensely like look into your eyes while you're taking a shit. Can you imagine if that's the way she can take a shit for the rest of her life? She like has a boyfriend. She's in like her 20s. She's like, Jeff, Jeff, come here. I have to poo. And he's like, oh, again? (laughs) Eye contact. Oh my God. It was so weird. The grossest thing that has happened to me or the most startling kind of the same way where you're like, is that I was watching my friend's daughter and she had to poo. Or actually, she didn't even tell me she had to poo. She just needed to like go to the bathroom. So I'm like, okay. And I put her on the toilet and she's about three, I think. And to get to the toilet paper, I had to like lean over her. So she was kind of leaning forward. So I, I was kneeling down next to the toilet and I like leaned, I leaned over to grab the toilet paper and my face was then maybe like four or five inches from her ass, <laughs> just from leaning. And then all of a sudden, this giant, like, adult-sized shit just comes out of her ass, like, inches from my face. And I was just like, <laughs> like, so startled. I had to, like, back up. I nearly, like, broke everything in the bathroom trying to, like, escape because I was worried it was going to hit me. Oh, my God. Ugh, children in their poo. I know. And, like, in those situations, you cannot make them feel weird about it. That's like the most important thing is to make them feel comfortable because that's a good thing and you're supposed to positively enforce that they're pooing on the toilet and it's great, but you're just like, ah, this is so gross and wrong and I don't want to do it. I literally saw it come out of your ass. Uh, yeah. So Something to look forward to. Yeah, I know. It's like we're like practicing parenthood. I want to tell a spooky story, but Jackie doesn't have any. I know she's annoyed with me because I don't have any like... It's the Halloween episode. I want you to tell a spooky story. Uh, well, first of all, do you believe in ghosts? No. <laughs> Why? Because it's bullshit. Oh. Because I believe that when you die, that's it. So if I believe that there's nothing after death, then how could I believe in ghosts? It's cognitive dissonance. Yes, I agree with you. But mm-hmm. I still get creeped out during certain things. Like if I am walking in a spooky part of like a building and there's no one else around you don't get that sort of like feeling of yeah that's like oh fuck i hope some like rapist doesn't jump around the corner at me that's like afraid of humans it's okay to be afraid you never of hu- get like spooked out on like a ghostly level okay i have one story of being creeped out but i was much younger this is before i decided or realized that i was an atheist i went to see the ring and got dropped off to a big empty house i was completely alone and the ring really like that was probably one of the one of the few scary movies that really messed with my head. Oh, a it messed bit. with everyone. Like, I think everybody has to that this reaction. Day, yeah. I haven't rewatched it. I watched the Japanese version, which is fucking scarier than yeah. the American one. I haven't seen the Japanese one. I've heard it's scarier. So anyway, I get dropped off to this like big empty house, and I wa- and like there was like a, f- a front door and then stairs directly up. So I get to the top of the stairs and I look to my left and there's the TV, and I was like, Ugh, and I'm like having this like creeped out moment and then the phone rings and I jump and I answer it and it was this my friend at the time who started saying seven days and I was like fuck you <laughs> so that yeah that that creeped me out when I was oh how old was I I don't know whatever however old I was the year that Blair Witch came out and it was finally on VHS mm-hmm. uh, I rented it and I watched it by myself in my parents bedroom Aww, with nobody had, else home you had no friends no, I just was home by myself one night and I didn't have any plans and I was like, I want to watch this movie. So I watched it alone in a house by myself. Spooky. 
didn't scare me though like Fuck i don't know you jackie doesn't get scared about i know it, it annoys Ange so much i'm like i don't know it just doesn't like because i have the same views as you i don't think mm-hmm. that ghosts and all that kind of shit are is real yeah but, but you're I still get shit. creeped out by stuff and can't even she couldn't even read the woman in black without me being home i was like you're a big baby it What's was getting really creepy so something that used to happen to me that used to creep me out is i worked in a detox like a medical detox which is where if you've ever seen like train spotting people go through really harsh withdrawals when they're addicted to drugs and so there's this medical facility here where they can go get medication so that the withdrawals aren't as bad spend a few days getting treated and then either go to treatment or go home or go back to using whatever they choose to do so this was this big building and there was overnight shifts that i had to work so there was three rooms that you could go to one that was on the same level as everyone else that was so popular people would always choose that room and if the person that you were going on break with had higher seniority then they would get first pick there was this room that was also on the same floor but a little bit up the hallway but it had a huge window that was missing blinds that people could see in from the street and that always made me uncomfortable because i didn't want like some weirdo watching me sleep the detox is also in like a bad part of town mm-hmm. like the worst mm-hmm. part <laughs> like the murder murderiest part yeah definitely so i didn't want murdery people looking in at me while i was sleeping and then the last place was at the complete other end of the building up a flight of stairs and then further down a hall between with all these like locked doors no one ever wanted to go there because everyone was creeped out and they were like worried because it was so far away from where everyone was that if you screamed no one could hear you basically did someone tell you that no you could just tell and so that creeped you out just because it was far away no it didn't the thing is like it didn't creep me out that's why i was always willing to go there i actually liked being far away from everyone so i'd go there on my break which was usually around like four in the morning and i would always have these dreams about this woman either watching me or like being in the room or like sitting on me and i had like sleep paralysis while i was there Like, I've never really had that. I think I've had it a couple times at home, but it was almost, it was like four out of five times I would sleep on my breaks there. I would be aware that I was sleeping, know exactly where I was, be wanting to wake up because something terrifying was happening, but not being able to. Being like, wake up, wake up, wake up, just wiggle your finger, just do that, just try and wake yourself up, scream, and I would think I was screaming. And then I would either wake up for half a second, look around, and then pass out immediately. Or I would... That's so weird. Actually, like, jerk myself awake. So that's obviously proof that there were totally ghosts everywhere. No. And then one time, so like I said, you had to go through all these locked doors to get there. And, like, who the fuck is in this building at four in the morning except for your coworkers? Mm -hmm. And one time I was sleeping and I distinctly heard right outside the door, which was probably about seven feet from my head, a huge bundle of keys drop. And so I immediately sat up and was like, fuck, my break's done. And I, like, immediately opened the door to, like, tell the person, like, I'm sorry, I'm coming, I'm coming. I didn't realize I overslept. And there was nobody there. Ooh. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's creepy, but, like, maybe it was outside. There's lots of possibilities. No, it was so distinctly keys hitting linoleum. Maybe it was the sound of keys hitting linoleum coming up through a vent from a different floor. I'm just saying, like, I, I, this is the problem I have. This is why I don't believe in ghosts, because people give you a story like that, and they're like, the only explanation <laughs> is ghosts. And it's like, no, there's tons of explanations. You just can't think of them. So that's not the only r- way to explain it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't believe you heard a ghost. 
What do you think I heard? I just said maybe it was the sound of someone dropping keys coming up through a vent. Maybe you hallucinated it. Maybe you're fucking crazy. <laughs> I don't think it would have been the vent thing because where this well, room I mean, was I would have to look at where it is. If I was going to be a real like detective about it, I would have to know what the hell was like. Look at it. Try some things. You know what I mean? Yeah. But just I hate that like logical fallacy where it's like, oh, this must be the only explanation. It's like, no, you just can't think of the other options. That doesn't mean there are no other options. Or you want to believe or you have a confirmation bias where you're like, yeah, I totally believe in ghosts. That's got to be because of ghosts. So you're looking to prove this theory. Yeah. I think that probably explains like 90% of ghost sightings. But I or, still- or it's just psychological because you want to believe in it or you want some sort of comfort. I think a lot of people here, this is going to be like really controversial, isn't it? People are going to be like, I hate you. The baby mama suck because I believe in angels. I don't know. Well, we said we were atheists. Yeah. In the first episode. So. Yeah, that's true. You know what you're getting. <clears throat> anyway, I feel like a lot of people are looking for comfort and that's where their like psycho- their psyche will manifest something like, oh, I'll have a dream about somebody that I miss that's dead. It's like, okay, that so doesn't mean that. So they're still existing on some Yeah, they're, you're keeping them alive in your, in your memory, but you will want to believe that they're there so badly that you actually start believing that they're coming to you in your dreams instead of just realizing that like you're just dreaming about them because you love them and you miss them yeah i had a weird dream like that actually i one of the youth that i worked with uh overdosed and she died Mm -hmm. and it was like months and months later i had this dream and she was in it and i was like oh my god hi um you're and i had this conversation with her and and i was trying to tell her like you need to clean up your life and she i think she said something like you you know that i died right and i was like oh yeah oh my god you did and she goes yeah but it's okay like i'm okay now i think you but i think that happened because that one really affected you you were really like no like last time i saw her she was doing okay and like oh i can't believe this happened you were i mean not that it's ever like oh whatever when a youth dies especially of addiction but that one for some reason really kind of like hit you yeah because she was i don't know we had a really good connection Mm mm-hmm and yeah the last time i saw her she was doing really well so i was like shocked mm-hmm. when she died and yeah i was just really sad she was a cool kid mm-hmm. but it was see but like that that's some people would see that as like oh she was coming to you in a dream i see that as like you needed some you needed to kind of feel comforted about it yeah anyway so all of that though like just because in my rational real life i don't believe in that shit doesn't mean i don't love watching scary movies and hearing scary stories and like stories about ghosts and poltergeists and demons and all that stuff i love it i find it fascinating i just don't believe it's real what's the scariest real life thing that's happened to you not something spooky but like something scary that happened to you that was real i don't know oh my god you're so boring i know well i mean i've had a couple things cross my mind a couple of them i don't really want to talk about but Mm -hmm. there was one there was one instance where i like hydroplaned and my i was in a (laughs) My first vehicle was a minivan. It was really light. I don't think I had, I think I had one of the seats out of it. So it was really, it was really like light. And uh, it was super rainy and I was driving to school one day. My whole car just started fishtailing all over the road. And I was like in the middle lane of three lanes. And I just like held on and I steered through it somehow and then finally came to a stop. And I was just like, oh my God. Oh my God. And I looked to my right and I looked to my left. Both drivers on either side of me were looking at me like, holy shit. Because I'm sure they were like, oh my God, this person's going to run into me. Yeah. It was like a miracle. Not a miracle. I don't like that word. It was amazing that I didn't hit either of them or anybody on either side of me. So that was like, that was pretty scary. There was another car issue where I was, I was leaving my 
house at at the time and I was like not even like maybe a block from home and this person turned left in front of me without looking and I had to like I spun all the way around to try and like not get hit because I had to like swerve out of this person's way and it was wet and my whole car spun all the way around I think twice and I stopped and I was supposed to be driving like an hour away to get to work and I was like shaking I was like no I can't I can't drive. So I just turned around, ran home, called my boss and was like, I can't come in today. I just about died. (laughs) And it like that really shook me. There haven't been a lot of things in my life that have been really terrifying. And I think that's really I'm lucky, but I don't have a lot. I don't other than those two things. Like I can't think of any kind of like near death experience. I mean, I was I was scared when I had pneumonia. I was scared of how how weak and sick I was. I'd never been that sick. And it was it was scary. I was scared, different kind of scared. But when your mom had the accident, you were kind of breaking down. That scared me. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know, I, I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect out of you anymore. So that was scary because I didn't know how you were going to, if you were going to like completely fall apart and that was going to be it or like. I was going to be like that for the rest of our lives. No, I just like, I didn't know what was going to happen. It was completely like unchartered and stuff with your mom is always really sensitive and really hard. So it was, that was scary, but like that's a whole different kind of scary. I think something pretty creepy that happened actually when my mom was in the hospital was she was in the ICU for a really long time mm-hmm. so she got hit by a car broke everything like I'm not even joking you every single thing in her body everything from the neck down yeah basically. the only thing that wasn't broken was her skull but she banged her head a bunch too so oh, there yeah. was like she contusions huge, and cuts and huge she was a mess. and mm-hmm. everything but literally every other bone in her body was broken so she was just right out of it and she needed help breathing. So eventually, after a few days, they put in a tracheotomy, which is a tube that goes not through your mouth, but no. through your neck. Yeah. So that then helps you. Apparently, it's less invasive and it's easier for people who are going to be on ventilation long term. So she was on that, which uh, meant that air wasn't passing back or past her vocal cords. So she wasn't able to talk. Which was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but then you'd go and see her and she'd be babbling away, not realizing that she wasn't making sound because she was so out of it. So she'd be talking, talking, and you'd be like, not able to understand her. And it was frustrating for her, but she was just babbling nonsense anyway because she was on so many drugs. Anyway, she was totally delusional and like high as hell. Yeah, to very, very delusional. And they would take her out of bed and put her in this chair for a certain amount of time every day to try and build up her muscles and it was just better for her to avoid um, bed, bed sores, sores and that kind of yeah. thing it's part of the like rehabilitation process they just they do this with i didn't even realize this was a thing but they have to like use this whole lift this lift to get her into the chair and then she had to be strapped down because she was so out of it so the the risk obviously is she could pull out her breathing tube she could pull out her iv she could pull out anything right she could do tons of damage yeah so they have to tie her down which is pretty upsetting to see somebody that you care about in that state tied down and then she would fight against it because she didn't really know what was going on so she would be ripping against these restraints that she had like leaning forward and pulling her arms up against the restraints and trying to get out and i'd have to just be like mom it's okay you've been injured just sit down just relax just relax just relax and she'd be trying she'd be saying help me help me but not making any noise and like her eyes looked terrified and yeah. she would be fighting in against this and then one time she couldn't speak but somehow she managed to say in the croakiest, creepiest voice that I've ever heard. She's pulling against these restraints, wild-eyed, and she says, I'm going to die tomorrow. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then was then mouthing, help me, help me, help me. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of like the most 
scariest moments of my life was just hearing that voice come Mm -hmm. out of her when she's not able to speak and then saying to me, I'm going to die tomorrow when Mm -hmm. she's in this situation where she might. Yeah. And then imagine if she did, that would have been like so crazy, but it was like something out of a nightmare. Yeah. It's really common. I think for people in that situation to feel like they're being held against their will and that was really hard to see her like that, even though she's not, you know, the nicest, easiest person to get along with. Nobody deserves to go through that. It was horrible. It was yeah. really awful. And she would, do you remember? She kept saying like, she kept pointing to like that person over there and there was never anybody over there. Yeah. Or she would be staring at the ceiling, like very concentrated as if she was watching or looking at something that was really weird. Like mm-hmm. you could tell the way her expression was, was just like, what is that? And she'd be staring so intently at the ceiling and she thought one time she told me um i was asking her i would always ask her questions to try and figure out what she was aware of so i would say like mom what happened to your leg because she had this huge scar on her leg from the surgery and uh one time she said oh um was this when she was still mouthing words this was when she was still mouthing yeah, words. yeah so she couldn't actually talk you're yeah. just trying to like lip read she said oh i had a giant cyst and i was like you had a giant cyst yeah and it grew and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it popped and all this black tar went everywhere. And then I slipped on it and I hurt my leg. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, where'd you get that from? It was really interesting from like a psychological perspective because she was, her brain is working so hard to put the pieces together. Yeah. Even though there's like serious blackout moments, I'm sure. And she like still to this day does not remember exactly what happened. No, and she doesn't remember her the first, like, probably three months of her hospital stay. No, so it it was, like, really weird watching the way her brain was making sense of things. Yeah. It was it was kind of off-putting sometimes. It was off-putting, like, it was sometimes a little creepy because mm-hmm. of that, like, I had a giant cyst filled with tar, like, whoa. What? <laughs> that's just her brain, like, making stuff up. Like, yeah. Was she just in a state of nightmare mm-hmm. the whole time? Who knows? But it's I guess it's a good thing that you don't remember it. They call it ICU-induced psychosis, I think. Mm-hmm. It's just the blood, the dehydration, the, mm-hmm. like, everything that you're going through, not moving, not having different things to look at. Yeah, yeah lack of stimulation, lack crazy. of, like, just everything. You're, like, in sensory deprivation almost. Yeah. And you're seeing people that you don't recognize, so, yeah. So, yeah, that definitely lent itself to some creepy stories. Well, there's your Halloween story, guys. <laughs> your Halloween story is just your mom. <laughs> oh lordy lordy i love you ma'am so how about some spooky halloween names for a baby Ooh, like wednesday Ooh, wednesday would be good actually Mm -hmm. wednesday's kind of cute why is it wednesday and not like thursday or friday's a name isn't it because wednesday's the worst name i mean the worst day of the week tuesday Tuesday is... It's a name. There's a, Tuesday's yeah. a name. There's some celebrity, I think, whose kid is Tuesday. There's also a character in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer series who's Tuesday. What about Monday? No. Nobody likes Mondays? No. So it's a terrible name? What about... Um, September. Yeah, what about month names? June? August. June's pretty common. August is common. April. January. January Jones. May. May is just like a name, though. Do you think you could name someone February? (laughs) (laughs) You could, legally, like it's possible, but why? (laughs) Do the podcast at all. (laughs) The Baby Mama's Podcast. Don't forget, 
to review us in iTunes. Five stars. Whee!